Welcome to TAIP Conversations, a series of discussions of issues surrounding the international early childhood education community in Japan. Hi. Hi, Anne and Kai. Hi. Hi, John. Yes. So before we start, before we start our, our conversation, I would like to welcome our viewers or listeners from TAIP. Now we're starting our tape conversation for this year again, and we have had really positive feedback about our tape conversations in the past. And I think um, it's really important to continue that on this year. And thank you, both of you, to join in and, you know, like just talk about your passion and your 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 philosophies about education, because I think what we really want to see in schools is to be able to understand what are our teaching philosophies and learning approaches that we do with the children, especially in early childhood education. So here with me are the most prominent <laughs> and respected educators here in Tokyo. So we have Anne Ishigaya from Tokyo Children's Garden. She's the, she's the principal. Anne, would you like to introduce yourself further? Okay, I guess she has been cut off. Yeah, Kai. Yeah, she just got cut off. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so let's get back to Anne later. So now we have Kai, Kai Chang. He is the founder and owner of iForest International Forest School here in Tokyo, which is also known as iForest. So yes. Kai, would you like to introduce more about yourself? Yeah, like John said, I am the founder and director of iForest. I created the school just because I felt like the children needed to be kids again and they needed outdoor time. They needed a lot of free play, risky play, something that the outside environment allows for the children to do instead of indoors where, you know, sometimes you hear, oh, no running, no jumping, a lot of no, but, but in, a controlled outdoor environment, then it's all possible. So that that's my passion. That's why I created iForest. Lovely. So how long have you been operating as a school guy here in Tokyo? We're quite new. We're coming up to a year in August now. Lovely. Yeah. So it's been quite a venture this year. Mm -hmm. um, we're growing. We're doing really well. I'm excited to see what's, what's to come next year. Right. Maybe some collaboration. <laughs> of course. That would be lovely. That would be lovely. I think Anne is back. Anne, are you there? I am so sorry. Yes, I got kicked yes. out somehow. <laughs> no. So Kai, I, I don't want to kind of like interrupt that thought, but let's talk about that later. So before doing that, I would like to introduce again Anne Ishigaya the founder and principal of Tokyo Children's Garden, one of the prestigious schools or preschools here in Tokyo. And I visited their place. It's an amazing place. And the, the teaching philosophies of, of, of the school as well is really like what it caught my attention so much. And Anne, would you like to, to explain further about your school <laughs> and about you? So, so yes, I'm the co-founder of Tokyo Children's Garden. I started it with Hisao Ihara maybe six and a half years ago already. Mm. It's been a while, but I've known John and Kai both for years and years and years. 
And yeah, we, we're originally inspired, but I think we're a little bit different than a lot of schools, even if they're originally inspired. And we, we've we've always wanted the children to have the freedom of doing, you know, what they're passionate about and the things they want to do. And more and more over the years, that seems to be their interests outside as well. So I think that's one of the reasons we've been working with Kai so closely recently is that, you know, we're more and more interested in that kind of forest yeah. school experience and, you know, being in touch with nature and doing that as much as we can within Tokyo, but also going, you know, to Karizawa on the weekends when we can. But we're very, very lucky to be, you know, within walking distance of Arisugawa Park, mm. which is just this amazing park. If you know the places yeah. to go, it can be quite wild and mm. and amazing. So yeah, um, Kai, I that's one of the places I actually bumped into Kai with, mm. without having seen him for a couple of years. And that's kind of how we started collaborating on this forest school experience as well. Right, right. So now going back to kai because I, I know I already asked Kai about when he started a school and how was the experience. And he said that the, the school is growing, which is, it's supposed to be that way because we needed, I mean, we need more forest education here in Tokyo. And this is a very urbanized city and it's really like about the technology and, you know, in the four corners of the classroom and having something like a forest education is for me something not a novel thing, but something that is important and significant into childhood development. Mm-hmm. So in, in my experience as an educator, really, it's it's so important for the children to go to the park and explore the park and to go outside to feel the fresh air. And I think it's beyond that experience that these children would need to get in terms of developing holistically. So Kai, another question that I would like to ask you is like, what do you think the the main reason why you you created this forest education? Where did it come from? While getting my master's degree in early childhood and family development, I just realized that we need to connect more with nature and not just children, adults as well. So me personally, during COVID, I was like, oh, we need to get out. And like, if adults need it, then children, they definitely need it. So being stuck inside the home, in the classroom, Mm. there are some kind of limitations that we can't do, like I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. So being outdoors has all those benefits to it, like health benefits, which we'll probably tap into. Right. And again, risky play, just dealing with the weather all year round. Like you just go out there and it, it... it makes you tough a little bit mm-hmm. and you learn from it. And I, I think you can do mostly pretty much like the traditional classroom inside, yes. but outdoors, mm-hmm. yeah. even just little elements of it. Mm. You can apply it to any system. Right, right. So like, what do you think, you know, I know we have worked together for many, many years in an international school, Kai, and I know your philosophy and how great an educator you are. So what do you think now is the difference in the four corners of the classroom? Now you're taking it outside, you know, in in nature and outdoor experience. What do you think is like the difference now that you're seeing the children spending the whole day in the forest or spending the whole day outside? What 
was what is now the difference that you see from the from the you know like for me nonverbal communication is so important right so body gestures facial expressions that's so important so what are the differences that you can see now when you were in the classroom yeah so some something that's pretty magical when you go outside cuz mm. in the classroom i feel like the kids are very safe and they want to expend all that energy mm. but when we go out well my situation is a little bit different because i take i transport the children out right and our fours are pretty tranquil there's nobody around except for us so it's pretty unique but when we do go out i feel the children's energy level is actually lower even the ones that are Wow. They just there's something about nature when they're exposed to it that just kind of soothes the beast, you know. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That in itself just was awing for me. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like we right. don't have to do anything. Like you can run, you can jump all over the mm. place, mm. but they don't. Right. Maybe because there's so many other stimuluses, stimuli, mm. like yeah. looking at bugs, mm. the flora, the fauna, and yeah. rocks, ants, yes. like so many other things to captivate them that's right. not in the classroom where they can just spend a whole day mm. throwing rocks even if they want to. That's amazing. That's amazing to hear. Like, it's always a good thing for me, you know, if the energy level is like a calming energy level, you yeah. know, like the children are really like into it. For me, it's more, it's more like they're more focused and in the zone when, when, in when they are in that really disposition. So, and yes, yes, go oh, ahead. Sorry, sorry, one more thing was like creativity as well. Yes. Like, yes. like for us, we don't bring anything out. We We do bring tools such as like knives and saws and and mortar but there's no glue we don't have tape mm, mm. what do we do we we do have rope and mm. for our glue we just make mix the mud and water and there's our glue so like they have to think about what yeah. they want to make and how to make it with nature mm. and, and saying that all four schools are run differently some they do provide like mud kitchens and things like right. that a little bit more of a purist <laughs> getting a lot curious now i think i want to join your 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 school one day and just to see how it goes hey eh? you know i have parents say that and they're <laughs> and they do come and anybody's welcome to come John. right right thank you kai and i would like to ask your 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 professional expertise and perception about you know like the difference but because i know you are already kind of like doing this forest education as well at TCG Tokyo Children's Garden and mm -hmm. my question is like how how did you come up with this idea and I know like you're also like she by the way she, Anne is such a fantastic educator as well and I I've known her at TAIP for many many years as she mentioned earlier and you know I would trust my child if I have a child I would trust my child to Anne because she she's done so amazing things in in terms of education here in Tokyo. So and so I want to get your opinion now that you know like incorporating the outdoor education, how do you think like the children responded to this? 
and and what are the positive effects of their holistic development per se? I I mean I think since we've been doing more of the forest school, we've mm -hmm. seen an amazing difference in their confidence, their their sociability, their problem solving skills, their creativity, mm -hmm. and even from our first site in Ikidayama, of course we we believed in outside education. We went outside every day, but being close to a park like Arisagawa, where they can yes. be a little bit more, has really changed everything. Indeed. They can take risks, you know, push their limits. <clears throat> and as I, I can't remember, one of you were saying, you know, taking those interests from inside and just a simple act of moving them outside just changes everything. Right. So our three-year-old boys, they had this really big interest in cooking and they would like to cook inside. So one day they didn't want to go outside and because they were they were enjoying this cooking process. So I asked them if I brought the bowls and the spoons and things outside, how about that? And we did. And it started this whole thing about cooking in the park. I think Kai joined us for some of those and mm -hmm. they could spend like an hour and a half really in one spot, you know, collecting leaves and, and making these mm -hmm. beautiful presentations to feed to their friends and that attention to detail and how much they could concentrate it was really really amazing as Kai said we didn't have to worry because they didn't want to run off or or do anything dangerous they really like concentrated in this this passion that they already had indoors mm. but moving it outdoors was just like a whole nother world for them it, it's it's really amazing to see the difference and also children who have a little bit you know when they don't like to be messy or that you know even when painting indoors and every time they get paint on their hands we've had a couple of children start that didn't like getting their hands dirty but you know a couple of times in Arisagao Park or at Koga Park in the rain they're like mm. taking off their boots and sitting in the puddles <laughs> because they're, they're enjoying the sensory experience as well mm. because it's in such a a context that you know it's their their interests and they have the scope and the time to be able to explore their interests in these in these places. Right. So, you know, like uh, with with all of these experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And I think for us, when I hear about forest education, I think what's more important is also like the impact of this type of education for our future generation, since that we are now working with preschool children, or we are, or we have been, working with preschool children is that to affect changes to cat to be catalysts of change in terms of looking after our environment so do you think like kai i would like to ask you this question do you think that you know what we do or what you do in forest education can foster this social responsibility that can help the children to be environmentally aware and also to be the stewards of our environment or our earth you know what do you think about that Oh yeah, most definitely. They there's a there's something called a place based education. So place place space place space. Okay. Education. So when the children they repeatedly go to the same place, in this instance, maybe Arusagawa or maybe any one of the forests that we venture out to. Yes. Repeatedly, they they feel a connection with that space and within the natural environment there and with that connection comes responsibility and with the responsibility of nature then that's sustainability in the future right that makes them really think oh i want to take care of this place this nature this world that we belong to right so it does spread out 
to their adulthood. And mm. there are studies where where children that have been introduced to nature in early years mm. in their adult life, they want to help and they want to be more sustainable. And this is what we're doing as early childhood educators. We need to right. give them that environment. Right. So the, the, this is my question, Kai, like when you're doing these this type of program, do you think that the learning is self-constructing or it's something that, for example, like in terms of being the stewards of our environment, do you actually educate them, like tell them like, oh, okay, we need to be the stewards of our, of our, of nature. We have to look after the, the nature or is it more like coming intrinsically inside them, like motivating them to, like to think for themselves that, oh, so we have this part of our lives now that is with the nature. So I'm becoming more aware of who I am now and becoming more aware of what I have around me. So I need to start doing something. Do you think this is more like self-constructed or more like you give them some some information about it? I think uh, we definitely need to give a little bit of information because as curious children, they they want to, you know, maybe step on all the ants or pick all the flowers and yes, yes, everything yes. around them. So right. um, we're, we're here to kind of facilitate like, oh, maybe this is a life form. Maybe we need to take care of it. We need to take care of our environment because instinctively we're curious and we just want to, you yes. know, mess around with everything. So uh, yes. we, we do need to guide them a little bit. Right. So, and how about you? What do you think about that? So do you think like they should just self-construct this learning or they needed to be guided about this as well? I mean, I think what Kai said is true. I mean, especially very young children, they they don't know. And, you know, stepping on ants seems like a fun thing or when they are interested mm -hmm. in a flower, they will pick it. So it's just right. curiosity. But I think it's a little bit of both because for, you know, one of our things about TCG is, you know, we, we want to bring in that that. Japanese aesthetic of, you know, respecting your space and your environment and you right. being responsible for your space, which, you know, why the children do zokin and things like that. But it also translates to outdoors as well, because this mm. is their space. Arisagawa is where they go. So they need to be able to take care of it. And they want to, but sometimes they might not know how or which parts are okay. And I think we're very lucky because there's a play group in, in Arisagawa, park that's called Himawarikai, which has been running for like 40 something years. Right. And one of the one of the students has grown up and he's actually one of the instructors now. He grew up being wow. in the Himawarikai. So we get to go once a week with, we call him Kumasan, and he gets to show us those parts of the park where it's okay to pick things or and and other parts that are protected because there's a lot of protected trees and areas in Adisagal Park. Mm. So I think we're very lucky that, that, you know, the children get that kind of experience with him because he knows the park so well. Yes. Um, but then they can translate that to other places. So when they go to a new park, they might think first that, you know, maybe I shouldn't pick these leaves or, you know, maybe I need to find out or, you know, they mm. can be able to, you know, take that knowledge other places. Right, right. Um, also, nature is very giving, but it's also dangerous. So there are certain things that you shouldn't touch, mushrooms especially. Yes. Right. Right. So like, since you brought that up, Kai, so how would you kind of like identify with the children or try to recognize with the children? Oh, OK, this is something that you cannot touch because, you know, it's poisonous or, you know, it's 
not really something that we can touch because it's going to hurt us. So do you tell them these things or? Yeah, we definitely preface, like, depending on the forest that we go to, there might be signs. And then the signs like, oh, watch out for hornets, watch out for this kind of mushrooms. Right. And, like the poison ivy. So that is something that they need to be aware of because those are hazards that if they're if they're not aware of them, then they might get hurt as well as like risks. They're aware of it and they choose to take the risk. So that's very different between hazards and risks. And hazards are the adult's responsibility. Yes, yes. So, for example, when we, when TCG and I force when we go to Karizawa, there are chances of bear. <laughs> so, wow. What, what do we do with the bear? We, we do tell them if there's a bear, well, first of all, we always have bear bells and if we, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and bear spray. Basically, there's like a, a risk management plan. Yes. For for every every scenario or every situation. So, yeah, I also want to tell the viewers that, you know, Kai is a trained forest educator or forest school facilitator, right, Kai? So he knows what basically what he's doing and he's been studying about the, the first responders emergency um, what program as well. So yeah, in terms of first aid and basic life support. So Kai is well knowledgeable about that. So, because he wouldn't even venture into this kind of business if he doesn't know, right? So, it's pretty much for us, like, the, I want to put this out there as well. Like, if you venture into forest education or in forest school, you know, teachers or facilitators, make sure, please make sure that they are well-trained. Because I think one of the things that most of the parents are concerned about is, like, the safety, of course, of their children. And I could, I could tell you guys that, you know... Kai is a, a, a professional and he's an expert in this forest school or forest education. And of course, like with Anne, with all the years of her experience as an educator as well, she knows what she's doing. So Anne, with this, with this, I want to ask you this question. So how do you convince or do, do you inform? I wouldn't say convince, but how do you inform the parents about this forest trip or forest educational trip that you're going to go to? And how do they respond to this? So did, did, did you get like a, a full on sign up or some of them would rather stay home or some of them could just, okay, sign me up. I, I want to go there. Because our our forest weekends are in Karizawa, not mm -hmm. every family can go, but we have regular families that come every time, which is really nice because they see the difference in their children and how much they enjoy it. Mm. Um, and then this past we actually were here went just this past weekend and it's toward the end of the year and there was many children who had never been before who came this time so I think they they hear it from other parents and 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 they can tell from the photos that you know how much how much amazing yeah. adventures they have but we've never had to convince or anything I think especially being in Tokyo parents mm -hmm. understand that that opportunity to be in nature Yes. Like that is hard to do in Tokyo. So they want to take advantage. Yes. yes. Um, but going back to the risk management as well, actually, Kai, Hisan, myself, we actually did a workshop a month ago or so. And we're actually certified activity safety leaders now. Lovely. Yes, talks I was going to say that. I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so other, other you know, schools and teachers too, if, if you want to have some kind of 
background in the risk management because this was actually you know it's it's basic risk management but it it was concentrated on outdoor activities right, right. Um, so you know defining the difference between the risks and the hazards and and you know how to evaluate the 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 severity of them so it was so quite what, interesting what, what is this program again how is it called activity outside activity activity safety leader activity ASL. safety leader can can you please tell me more about this program we heard of it from the actual from Kadrizao, the where we go is a place called rising field mm. and one of the women there i think she knew the man who did this it's, it's an organization and we just have the basic one but there's different levels if you want to go higher into it and we were thinking that, you know, for us, it was good, but we want all of our teachers to have this yes. as well. I think it's a really good way to think about risks and hazards. Yes. And, you know, and we can translate that into everything we do daily in within Tokyo as well. Yes, yes. We should do that. So that one, that course was in Japanese, unfortunately. So it was we'll in Japanese. How we can do it in English. Hopefully. You, signed this, you signed up on this one as well, right, Kai? Yes, correct. So basically, yeah, even for, for foreigners, it's okay. I had a lot of help. I had a lot of help. I see. Uh, <laughs> I see. There's people who could translate while yeah, we, I see. we were there. Yes. And so, and actually, this this course, they do like poisonous plants and animals in Japan too, and other kind of risks, like mm. specialty courses. I think it's really important for, for even like regular teachers to have these kinds of courses or programs because... I think it's really important for the children to go outside and you never know what's out there and for them to understand like, oh, okay, so the first thing that we need to do, if somebody kind of like falls off from the from the stairs or from the slide, what do you do, right? So, and I think like it, it's for me, it's more like uh, the safety of the children. So I, well, because I have this, I'm certified like basic life support practitioner because of my clinical nursing background. So and and it's it's pretty much not not so complicated if you want to kind of like try to make it simplify in terms of getting the CPR training or you know CP but i know that this activity safety program mm -hmm. is pretty much different right it's all about outdoor learning it, it's not about outdoor per se but this one we were just concentrating because we were in in Karizawa yeah um, but this is more about the you know risk management, you know, right, the right, right. risks and hazards and how how we can minimize mm -hmm. those. The hazards, yes. So in terms of the risk management, so let me go back to some of the teaching philosophies or the early child education philosophies that we have is the risky play. Mm -hmm. I think it, it's kind of like one of the, how should I say, trendy, you know, approaches in terms of early childhood education. So can you tell us for our for our listeners out there? Can you tell us more about what risky play is, how it can benefit a regular classroom setting, and how can it benefit the the the, the whole development of the child? Kai, would you like to go for it? Yeah. So risky play can be broken down into anything: climbing trees, if you want. If you're, I mean, even mm. running up the slide. Yes. Could be considered risky, tight ropes, walking on trees, like it, all those are risky plays. So actually we do do a lot of risky play, I think, in the park as well. Right. And that physical 
development translates into like cognitive development too because like mm. when you're doing those kind of risky plays the the focus on the children when they're concentrating is tremendous like there's right so many neurons just like firing off hand-eye coordination and that all translates like look at professional athletes you know it they mm. it, it shows Sorry, I'm almost the rest of the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I know, I know. We're talking about the risky play, like how it's going to benefit, you know, yeah. the, the child's development or the child's development as a whole, you know. Yeah. And you can you can mention a lot of things, a lot of physical attributes and cognitive attributes and social even, and even emotional regulation, you know, like it, it can help. Because I think like uh, there was this one study as well about looking at that's why the 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 this forest is a very calming it has this calming effect on children because of the the, the color of a certain color mm-hmm. green color you know so because it has this psychologically most of this the psychologists would say that the green color can calm you down you know something kind of like really earthy color can calm you down and no wonder when the children are outside they're just kind of like their energy is like like zen you know so and I, I've witnessed that, you know, when we had field trips as well in 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 in, in different places, especially like in parks like where there would be lots of trees and all that. And and Anne, my question for you is also like in terms of what do you call this? Uh, the, the, the risky play approach, right? So because I know in the classroom, there are also like, like situations wherein children would like to do rough and tumble play. Right. So do you think like when you started the, the, the forest education, that rough and tumble play kind of like lessened or it never happened in your classroom at all? I I think um, I don't know if our kids actually really did much rough and tumble, to be honest, indoors. Yeah. I think because. Because we we work on their interests and they mm. do projects based on their interests and. And they can do their own thing. They don't have to, there's not one thing that everyone has to do at the same time. Right. I think because I have that focus, it, it's it's much less physical mm. than other schools perhaps. But the risky play is, I mean, it is important as Kai said, and, you know, having that confidence and, 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 and if children are too protected, they're never going to learn their limits or yeah. want to try new things or... Or so you know, I think it's really important to have that risky play within school and within when they're outside. And I have to say, in Japan, when I first came here, I think Japanese schools themselves have a lot, lots of risky play that you know in in America we would never do. You know, like right. putting with saws in the classroom or right, you know, building fires with three year old things like that, which I never did before. But you know, with Kai, we do that, and and it's amazing, you know how confident they are at it and how yeah. well they you know they they listen to the safety and it's it's for me it's it's amazing because I would never have thought to do that with with preschoolers before and and like one more thing on that it, this could be kind of trivial is like they will do it anyways are they going to do it outside or you give them you provide them the environment to play with sticks mm-hmm. and swords and things like that or they do it inside, like the, or somewhere they need to release that kind of right. Um, right. energy as well. And outdoors is the perfect spot for it. you're not, you don't have to worry about breaking anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. 
So in relation to, again, to going outdoors, one of the questions that I, that I was like also thinking, you know, like rain or shine, right? You go outside. It doesn't matter if, if the weather is bad, you go. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. So how would you experience a thunderstorm? Right. Does it affect, you know, the children's learning or it's just the same or it's much even better? Um, well, they, they know how to regulate themselves. So that's what we strive for as educators is independence. Mm-hmm. So in that right now, the heat, the humidity, like what, what are we going to do in its raining season? So we've been going out all last week and mm-hmm. yesterday and today. So yes, it's the choice of do you want to get wet or do you want to wear a raincoat and stay dry? And actually right now, a lot of them prefer to be wet. So and, you ask the children. You ask the children first. Yes, they can they can choose if they want to wear their ring hood or we look at the weather and we're like, oh, what should we wear when we go outside? Mm. Okay, may, maybe I want my raincoat today or maybe not. And the learning from that is when we get closer to the colder time of the year, yeah. they realize it's cold when they get wet. So then they don't really want to get wet. Right now, it's perfect. They don't mind it. And they will learn how to self-regulate. So that, I think that's the best part. That's amazing. And then, and then Anne, with your, your outdoor trips as well, rain or shine, you go, yeah? We go outside rain or shine. And I think the nice thing about the, the rain is, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, when they know a place really well, like Arisagawa that we go to every day, it's mm-hmm. very different in the rain. Right. How it looks, how it smells, how it feels. It's all very different. So it's like rediscovering it all again. Mm. Uh, and also, I wish other schools would go out in the rain. But actually, right now, the nice thing is most schools don't go out in the rain. So we have the parks to ourselves. <laughs> yes. It's only us. So that's also kind of a, a new element, you know, having mm. the entire park just us. It's it's quite nice, actually. Maybe we can edit that, so... Uh, the other schools don't go out. <laughs> Actually, that's one of the places I met Kai. I met, I bumped into Kai after years and years of not seeing him in Arisagawa Park on a rainy day because we were the only ones there, basically. <laughs> right, right. I mean, like when I was in Shanghai, you know, um, rain or shine, we we had to go outside, and the children were wearing these kinds of like what we call it the 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 muddy pajamas. You know, they they have this. <laughs> overalls that they need to put on and you know if, even if they jump into the puddle it's fine it's 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 fun actually it's not just fine it's fun so yeah i think that's the importance of really like the outdoor place to experience a different weather as well whether there's rain or there's it's humid or it's you know it's cold i think it really helps their physical attributes as well like in their immune system Mm-hmm. is really kind of like developed and and boosted so i think yeah i think that the pandemic as well really hit us hard hey it's pretty much we were not able to go outside and i feel like we should be going outside more to the nature when that happened the pandemic happened right so but for me we all have our 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 strategies on how to get by to this pandemic and i'm glad that we are slowly slowly transitioning to where we need to be so Yes, I think that's about it. We 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 covered the entire thing. <laughs> so thank you so much, Anne and 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 Kai. 
Is there anything else before we we say goodbye to our listeners or viewers? Would there be anything else would you like to share or impart um, from this podcast so that we can disseminate this information to to everybody about what you do and and where they can find you and and what do they expect or what will they expect when they enroll into your schools? So let's go with 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 Anne first. Actually, not not specifically enrolling in my school or anything, but actually <laughs> one thing I wanted to say earlier is actually Kai knows very well. I was never an outdoor person before. I was definitely yeah. afraid of bugs and I would rather stay indoors. But pre-pandemic, so maybe about four years ago, I was at the NACI conference in America mm. and I took, I was at an outdoor, outdoor play conference. Mm. And the man there, he shared the study that he had been doing. And it was a really eye, an eye opener for me because he, it was a slightly older kids. I think they were kindergarten, first graders, but he had asked thousands of children to draw their idea of the future. And half of the children had, you know, nobody was living on earth. We were living, you know, on different planets or that, you know, the earth was barren and dead. So we had to live in the sky. Mm. And then half had these, you know, beautiful lush you know, the earth and, you know, we're living in trees and things. And after he, you know, he he saw the difference in, in the drawings and their idea of the future, he asked them where they got this information from. And the children who thought of, you know, the future as being bleak and that we couldn't live on the earth anymore, it was from TV and movies. Right. But the children who had this kind of positive view of the future and that, you know, the, the earth could be beautiful even 100 years from now, it was from adults, in their, in their in their life and so as someone who didn't really like nature before it was like you know so important that we give this love of nature and you know the importance of, to the children so that they can make a difference because otherwise if they think the future is it's going to be bleak they, there's no reason to try to save the earth it's you know we're going to live out of space anyway so for me that was like my turning point and and mm really, you know, why it's so important to give children this love of nature. Thank you. I'm actually so proud of Anne. There was a bug on my shoulder the other weekend, and she <laughs> she actually took it off. And so <laughs> as a non-insect lover, it just shows even adults can learn by repetition. You just go out and you just do it and you just mm. be in it. And then mm. you can realize that nature is not that scary anymore. Yeah, it's and, complete, completely changed me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I would also just recommend all the schools out there, just just do it. Just go out once, dedicate mm -hmm. a day, and then just go out no matter what. Yes. So I think anybody in Tokyo can also do that. Actually, what, the other thing I was going to say, too, you know, we've been doing this for a school for about a year, but because I was always scared of the bugs in the past, I couldn't really enjoy it. But these past couple months going and being able to enjoy the space because I'm not have this fear of bugs, it's very, very different than being in Tokyo. I never understood mm -hmm. that I had stress in Tokyo, but in Tokyo, because you always have to worry about traffic and bicycles and things like that. In the forest, you don't have that because, you know, it's it's just open and children can, you know, be farther away from you and enjoy and explore in a way that you just can't do in the middle of Tokyo. And I hadn't appreciated that before. And the freedom it gives you, it, it's quite amazing, actually. Amazing. So Kai, so any, any, any words that you would like to impart to the listeners and, or viewers? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just said, just, just go out, dedicate one day, just right. 
you can we can all do it. And if you want to come with me, we can also go together. <laughs> Everyone should go with Kai at least once. Adults <laughs> and children are welcome. <laughs> so yeah, so please promote again your your I International Forest School, Kai. Yes. Iforcedschool.com. We're also on Instagram, Iforced School, JP. Yes. So look for Kai, Kai Chang. So the founder and the director of this school. So amazing, Thank you, John. amazing school. And for Anne, Tokyo Children's Garden, one of the best schools here in preschools here in Tokyo. So Anne, I'll get to see you next week, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Anne. All right. Thank you so much, both of you. Yeah listeners to the listeners out there so please try even for the teachers parents please go out with your children go for a hike enjoy the nature love the nature i am a a, a, a person who loves trees and i paint I, I i bring my paintbrush i bring my 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 sketchbook my 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 pen or, or pencil and i just sit down for long hours of the day when i have the free time just to sketch and paint because it gives me this kind of like serenity every day. So I hope for you, for the parents, for the teachers, or for whoever is working with the children, for the caretakers, guardians, whoever, please try it out with your children because it's going to bring a positive, very, very positive and meaningful and unforgettable impact in their lives. And who knows, you're going to be, maybe you're going to be the key in, in, in preserving and sustaining our, our earth and to be able to live with it for many, many years to come. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kai and Anne again. I hope to see you one day, Kai, because we need to set it up. <laughs> and then I'll definitely see you next week just to say thank you for everything. And yes, we're signing off. So thank you for listening to our tape conversations. Have a great day. Thanks thank for listening. You. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TAIP Conversations. This has been a presentation of the Tokyo Association of International Preschools. To find out more, please visit our website at www.tokyopreschools.org. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please help to spread the word.